0: Welcome to OB-GYN Time, a Cleveland Clinic podcast covering all things obstetrics and gynecology. These podcast episodes are intended to help you better understand your health, leaving you feeling empowered to live your best. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Dr. Erica Newlin. Welcome to OB-GYN Time. During this season, we are focusing on topics related to menopause. On this episode, I'd like to welcome Dr. Catherine Caponero, who will be talking to us about perimenopause and the menopausal transition. Dr. Caponero, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Can you tell us a little about your role in the Cleveland Clinic and a little about your background?
1: Thanks again, Dr. Newland, for having me today. I'm a staff physician in the Obstetrics and Gynecology Institute. I practice full spectrum OBGYN. I also have a role in quality at the clinic and I'm the specialty quality and safety officer. In regards to my clinical practice, I'm a clinical assistant professor of reproductive biology, obstetrics, and gynecology at the Cleveland Clinic Lerner College of Medicine of Case Western Reserve University. I also specialize in gynecologic ultrasound and am credentialed through the American Institute of Ultrasound and Medicine. Finally, I'm certified practitioner through the Menopause Society, previously known as the North American Menopause Society. So menopause,
0: one day it will come for all of us. Let's talk about some definitions first. What
1: do doctors mean when they say menopause? When we say menopause, we usually mean natural menopause, which is defined as the permanent loss of menstruation because of the loss of ovarian follicular activity. This can only be determined after one full year without any bleeding following a patient's final menstrual period. The average age for this is about 51. And so with menopause being
0: a year without periods, can you explain what we mean when we're referring to perimenopause
1: or the menopausal transition? Perimenopause literally means around menopause. It begins at the onset of the menstrual cycle irregularities and extends beyond the final menstrual period to include 12 months after menopause. This term is very important because it includes the highly symptomatic years. Yeah, and how long can perimenopause last? can actually last a pretty long time. Perimenopause can last for four to 10 years. Wow. So how would someone know that they are, quote, in perimenopause? Patients can know that they're in perimenopause if they're having menstrual cycle irregularities where their cycles are equal to or more than seven days off compared to their previous cycles. So, if a patient was having regular cycles and now they're having persistent cycles that are seven days longer or shorter than their previous cycle, a patient may be beginning perimenopause.
0: I often tell my patients that sometimes it seems like somewhere in our forties, our uterus turns on us,
1: and, <laughs> and it seems it's like, more so our ovaries they yeah, just get us every time. Um,
0: but we blame the uterus because periods start to get irregular, and then patients really start to see those symptoms. So what kind of hormone fluctuations are occurring during that perimenopausal period?
1: The early transition may be best thought of as a state of compensated failure of the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian access. This is caused by an ovarian follicular or eggs to deplete, which starts even before birth and results in a progressive exponential loss of follicles over a woman's lifetime. Several hormones are at play here, including a decrease in inhibin B and AMH. The decrease in inhibin B encourages FSH to increase, which allows the growth of the remaining follicle pool, or those eggs. The decrease in AMH works similarly as well to encourage the remaining follicles to be released. In the early menopause transition, women do not consistently have low estradiol levels. Also, FSH and follicular phase estradiol are only occasionally elevated based on exactly where a patient is in their cycle.
0: And you mentioned briefly earlier changes in periods, changes in cycles. What might someone in perimenopause typically expect from their period?
1: As we earlier discussed, when patients' cycles are consistently off by at least seven days, we consider this to be a part of the early transition. The late transition is marked by not having periods for at least 60 days The estrogen deficiency symptoms usually become much more noticeable for women as they go longer lengths of time without sufficient estradiol production. It is also important to remember that these guidelines only apply to women who have had relatively regular menstrual cycles throughout their lives. In general, if a patient is concerned that her bleeding is heavier than normal, I recommend an evaluation by a gynecologist to make sure that the bleeding is due to the menopause transition and not due to another concern. Is there a good way to predict when someone is going to go through menopause? So that late transition or not having periods for at least 60 days can be helpful as this typically means that menopause will likely occur in the next one to three years.
0: What about predictors like often patients come when their mom went through menopause or ask for lab work or any of those
1: Good indicators? Yeah, so when your mother went through menopause can be really helpful in determining when you might go through menopause. Unfortunately, lab work is not very useful, except in very specific circumstances. This is because blood work, including FSH in that lab value, varies both cycle to cycle and day to day. Also, a very high FSH can help predict that a woman is likely to be menopausal. However, a normal or low FSH is not helpful.
0: And I have patients often asking about having their inhibin drawn lately. Would that be helpful at all in predicting menopause?
1: Not really, unfortunately, just because like the FSH that will vary from every cycle to cycle and every day to day. So that lab work won't give us a lot of information just because it does depend so much on exactly when that patient last ovulated, which changes so much in that perimenopausal period. For sure. Is there an
0: age at which you would be worried if someone hasn't gone through
1: menopause? Late menopause is when the final menstrual period occurs after age 54, and women with a longer menopause transition might experience increased exposure to unopposed estrogen, and this could cause them to be at an increased risk for reproductive cancers. So would you say
0: someone who's 55 still having regular periods, they should seek medical care?
1: I think that would be a great idea, just making sure that they are up to date with their gynecologic evaluation and examination so that we can make sure that they are as healthy as possible and have the most resources available for them. Perfect.
0: And what about an age at which it would be too early for someone to
1: go through menopause? Primary ovarian insufficiency, previously known as premature ovarian failure, is when a woman prior to the age of 40 stops their periods. Early menopause is defined as menopause occurring between the ages of 40 and 45. Both sets of women are at increased risk for the long-term effects of early estrogen deficiency compared to with women who experience menopause at the average age. For this woman, multiple medical societies support hormone therapy until the average age of menopause. Great.
0: And I'd also encourage these younger patients to go to their physician just to make sure this is
1: menopause or ovarian insufficiency and not something else. For sure. A lot of these women also come in for fertility concerns as well. So it's really important that they are getting adequate care. It also is really important to make sure that you are talking to your doctor about these concerns, because like we said, that ovarian insufficiency isn't necessarily ovarian failure. And approximately 5 to 10% of these women will get pregnant. Perfect and i think when people think
0: of the menopausal transition they often think of hot flashes and night sweats and kind of the stereotypical symptoms of menopause what other symptoms could be associated
1: with this perimenopausal transition there's a lot of symptoms that could be associated with this this includes things like changes in metabolism sleep changes vaginal dryness and mood changes it can also include sexual disorders headaches joint pain memory impairment, weight gain, sleep changes, skin changes, and even hair changes.
0: And at what point would you recommend someone seek medical care for these symptoms?
1: I always recommend that patients seek care if they're having symptoms that are concerning to them or are negatively impacting their life. Modern medicine has allowed for women to improve the quality of their life. And just because these symptoms may naturally be occurring does not mean that women have to suffer in silence.
0: Perfect. And then we'll... Talk more in detail about symptom management and hormones or non-hormonal therapy in future episodes. But generally, what do you recommend for patients that may be having a hard time with these symptoms?
1: I recommend that patients discuss their options with their physician. Some women do benefit from systemic hormone therapy, while others may benefit from vaginal estrogen, pelvic floor physical therapy, or even something like an antidepressant.
0: What other health concerns are there for someone who's postmenopausal?
1: Postmenopausal women are at increased risk for cardiovascular disease or heart disease, along with osteoporosis or bone disease. Postmenopausal women are also at increased risk for cancers, including breast and uterine cancer. Like we discussed earlier, menopause does put patients at risk for other health concerns. It is important for patients to discuss their concerns with their healthcare team so that patients can get the best possible treatments to help prolong their life and improve the quality of their life.
0: Great. Great. And can you speak briefly in what it means to be NAMS certified or kind of the menopausal society?
1: Yeah, so with becoming certified through NAMS, which is now called, again, the menopause society mm-hmm. with a recent name change, it helps that you know that your provider is giving you the most accurate and up-to-date information. When I took the test, you have to take a test over a pretty intensive textbook. And you also need to have enough certification through the CME program to make sure that you know what you're talking about and are able to give accurate and up-to-date advice that has been well-studied to make sure that your patients are getting the best care possible.
0: I think a lot of General OBGYN practitioners practice menopause care, but potentially if someone isn't getting the answers that they need, they could seek out someone who is menopausal society certified or, or potentially start there.
1: It's a great idea. And then like a lot of OBGYNs do have really great background, but it is something that. A lot of residency programs and people that just graduated don't have necessarily the same education and training just based off of patient population. So making sure that your provider is menopause certified, especially if you have more questions that your provider might not be able to answer for you, is really helpful to get you the answers that you need.
0: For sure. And we'll go more into this in future episodes, but hormone therapy especially has had a long and tumultuous ride back and forth when it comes to medicine
1: in general (laughs) the pendulum has definitely swung in many different directions and what we've come to find is that for a lot of women hormone therapy is a very safe and effective method of making sure that women are able to have a great quality of life knowing when to prescribe hormone replacement therapy and when it might be something else is really important and making sure that your provider can kind of help to guide you on that decision can also be really important Great.
0: Well, thanks so much, Dr. Caponera. Anything you'd like to add?
1: No, thank you so much for the time today. And we all really need to talk more about menopause. It's something that if you're lucky as a woman, you'll go through and making sure that you have this accurate and up-to-date information is really important for your health and for the health of all of our society. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening
0: to this episode of OB-GYN Time. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcast or visit clevelandclinic.org slash OBGuideTime.